He said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. Have you ever encountered a famous person? Maybe you were just going somewhere or you were in another city and you noticed that there was someone famous around you. You weren't expecting to see them and then you saw them. Anybody ever have that experience? All right. Well, those are kind of fun experiences to have. I was thinking about in my own life. Uh, one time here in Shreveport, I was at uh, the playground over at First Baptist Church, and I saw Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck. This was when they were still married, and their kids. They were living a few streets over because they were filming a movie here. This was like 2008, maybe. And uh, so I didn't realize at the time, and somebody said to me that that's who that was. And sure enough, they did did just stay in a house a few streets over. Uh, Another time, probably not too long after that, I saw Oliver Stone. Uh, He was in town making a movie, and I got a chance to see him, and he was pretty recognizable, saw him, and didn't talk to him or anything like that. But I thought, that's pretty cool. Another time, I was walking down Fifth Avenue in New York City. Just kind of walking along and there were people, you know, as always, up and down the streets, lots of traffic. And I looked over and saw Bono, who's one of my heroes, the lead singer of U2, for those of you who don't appreciate good music. Thank you. I saw Bono and I just was stunned and uh, thought, okay, well, that looks like Bono. As I got to looking, he was uh, leaning up against a, a limo talking to somebody And I was just in such shock, I didn't even think to go and get his autograph. But it took me back a little bit. Maybe the same thing has happened for you. Well, the same thing happened for the disciples. There's something very similar. And we hear that here in the gospel text. In fact, since Easter Sunday, we have been uh, talking about all these appearances that Jesus has made to the disciples and to others. He is breaking through walls or walking through walls. He's saying, peace be with you. He's breathing the Holy Spirit on the disciples. He is showing up. And here again, Jesus does this. And he, uh, as they encounter him, certain things happen. And I would suggest to you today that certain things will happen to you when you encounter the risen Jesus. Did you think about that this morning as you came here today? Or did you think about it when you walked outside that the risen Jesus is there with you, is all around you? We certainly proclaim that truth every Easter, every Sunday. Of course, every Sunday is Easter. And we proclaim that he is indeed risen. But do we really live like that? Do we really function like that in our lives? Well, several things that we hear in this text Help us understand how that works and what it's like when we encounter Jesus. First of all, I would say things go better. How many of you want things to go better in your life? Okay, everybody. uh, We all want things to go better. And that's what happens. You see that the disciples were out there fishing. And as they're out there fishing, they are catching nothing. Uh, That's kind of how it is for me whenever I go fish. Uh, when Jack was on his fishing team in high school, we'd go out and fish, uh, take our boat to all these different places and be in these tournaments. And 
it was a rare occasion that I would catch anything. Jack could always just catch whatever. Uh, but it was, it, it was just so frustrating to not be able to, to catch anything. I mean, I would throw the best lures that I had and all that. After a while, I just figured I'm just throwing a line into the water, right? And the fish are just laughing. Or there were no fish around is kind of how I justified it. Uh, but the disciples are out there and they are uh, not catching anything. And so this guy on the shore, they don't know who it is. It's just this guy on the shore and he says, hey... And I like how John puts in here children, kind of a diminutive, like, hey, little kids. I mean, you're a grown, grown man, right? You're out there fishing. And some guy on the shore says, hey, you're not catching anything, are you? No, we're not. Why don't you just throw your net on the other side of the boat? And I'm sure there was some chatter going on, like, who's this guy I think he is? But some of the disciples who had a little more sense thought, okay. Let's do it. And they did it. And it worked. Things got better. Things that they were trying to do on their own got better when Jesus was with them. And it clicked in their minds. Wow. I remember every time we were with Jesus, something like this would happen. Things were going horribly. And then when Jesus was with us, things got better. And that is the way it is with us as well. Again, whenever I go fishing, uh, sometimes I will see people with guides. If you go out on some of these big lakes like Lake Sam Rayburn or some of the others, you pretty much have to have a guide, someone who knows the waters, who can tell you where to go, where, where the fish are biting, and somebody who really understands all of that. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. The same thing is true with our lives. It's pretty foolish for us just to go live our lives apart from Christ. Trying to do things on our own, not recognizing that Jesus is there, not recognizing that He is with us. And so there's certain things that we can do for things to go better. Uh, first of all, listen. Listen to that guy on the shore. Listen to what Jesus has to say to you. As Jesus interacts with you to say, you know what? Things aren't going very well. I don't think he calls us little children, but things are not really going well as you're doing them, are they? And we go, no, they're really not. Things in my life are a mess. And Jesus kindly says to us, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you put your net on the other side of the boat? Why don't you say this? Or why don't you do this? Or why don't you go there or do that? Why don't you quit doing that? Maybe this will make this better. Jesus dialogues with us and things get better when we listen and then when we do. Think about if the disciples had not thrown the net on the other side. They just went, oh, that sounds pretty good. Maybe we'll try that one day. But they didn't. They did it. They heard it and they did it. And something amazing happened. The same is true for us. Well, second, when we encounter the risen Jesus, something else happens. Communion happens. Jesus had a meal with the disciples. How cool is that? I mean, you know, you're out there uh, fishing and you're getting hungry and you smell this fire burning. And you look over and this guy that just told you all this has a fire going. He says, okay, 
why don't you all come ashore? I've got something for you to eat. And Peter, who's out there naked, how weird is that? I mean, the other disciples are like, oh my gosh, Peter, put some clothes on, man. You're scaring the fish off. He puts his clothes on, jumps in. He is so excited because it's beginning to click with him. This Jesus that I said I didn't know, this Jesus that I denied, this Jesus just spoke to us on the shore. Forget all of y'all. I'm jumping in and I'm swimming to be with him. And he does. And as Jesus takes those fish, puts them on the fire, he takes the bread that Jesus already has with him, breaks that bread and shares it with them. They are communing just as they did a few nights before in the upper room. Jesus is present with them as the risen Jesus now. Providing a meal for them, leading them to remember just as he had done a few nights before. This is what happens when we commune with Christ. One of the things that I am doing a lot of these days is reading a lot of uh, theology and other things as I am uh, a postulant. Uh, there's so much study and formation. And as one who went from Baptist to Episcopalian, uh, I'm having to dig in a little bit deeper to learn more about communion. The views are very similar, but I would say in the Episcopal Church, there is so much more of an emphasis on the real presence of Christ in communion. There is something mysterious about that. And there's something that uh, Episcopalians, and I would say Catholics as well, do not try to explain. They embrace that mystery, realizing that Christ's real presence is with us. Uh, I wanted to uh, show you a little a slide here. Uh, that's the disciples having a fish breakfast. Uh, one of the things that's in the Book of Common Prayer uh, is just in the catechism that's there. What are the benefits which we receive in the Lord's Supper? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what good is it? Well, the benefits we receive are the forgiveness of our sins, the strengthening of our union with Christ and one another, and the foretaste of the heavenly banquet, which is our nourishment in eternal life. Those are pretty good benefits, aren't they? Julia Gatta, in her book, uh, Life in Christ, says the liturgy, therefore, brings us or brings into our present time the saving events of the past. Now, think about that as Jesus started cooking those fish and the bread and as they were partaking in that meal together, they were remembering something that just happened. So the past is being brought forth into the present and there is a foreshadowing of the future. Uh, and whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, she says, in remembrance of Jesus, we proclaim all that He accomplished for us and the whole creation. In the great thanksgiving, which we will do here in a little bit, we rehearse the full sweep of these saving acts. Jesus' incarnation, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, and sending of the Spirit. But in remembering these events, we are not just calling them to mind. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they become present to us. Our words in communion, as in all the sacraments, are effective signs. The Greek word, anamnesis, usually translated as remembrance, 
is the key term for this time-bending character. That's a neat way to put it. The, the communion, our time in the Eucharist, is a time-bending thing. It refers to the making present through the Holy Spirit, those events that we recall and by which we are saved. These events, which took place at a certain time in history, are not repeated, but their grace is fully available to us. We participate in them. We are there. Not only are the past actions of Christ available to us, but we also touch our future with them. All of that is what's taking place when Jesus is having that meal with his disciples. And as we look at the two disciples on the road to uh, 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 Emmaus, I was going to say Damascus, that was another one. Uh, on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and the other disciple, as they're on the way there, they get there and they break bread and they recognize Jesus' presence with them. He's been walking with them the whole time. And so as we hear these things, we recognize that when we partake in communion, Jesus shows up. Jesus is with us. We are reunited with Jesus. Whatever's happened in this past week, you can just put behind you. And you can embrace Jesus right in this present moment and take Jesus with you as you go into the week. There is this rhythm, this balance that comes to us uh, throughout the week and as we gather together in worship. That is why it is so important for us to gather on Sundays in worship. Well, finally, uh, restoration occurs when we encounter the risen Jesus. So we've already talked about things getting better. We've talked about communion. But then restoration occurs. This is what happens with Peter. As you think about Peter... Uh, and the fact that he has denied Christ, how many times? Three. As Jesus was going to Golgotha, uh, as he was, after he was arrested, th- there was this betrayal of Jesus three times. We find here, Jesus asks him, how many, how many times do you love me? Right? He asked him three times if, if he loved him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And there is this repeat of three times. You denied me three times. I'm going to ask you three times. It is this reinstatement, this restoration, this forgiveness. Think about that in your own life. If someone has betrayed you, and chances are all of us know what that feels like. Somebody somewhere along the line has betrayed us. And it hurts. And this is what happened with Peter and Jesus. And Jesus... Forgives him. He reinstates him. He not not only forgives him, he says, you are going to be the foundation of my church, Peter. I knew it when I saw you. That's why I called you Rock. Changed your name to Rock. Because you are solid. Yeah, you weren't so much there a few days ago, but but that's your nature. You are solid. And and, and I'm going to reinstate you to that state. I was reading uh, just a few days ago, Uh, One of these health articles that was somewhere in the news about the benefits uh, of food that will boost your serotonin levels. Serotonin makes you feel less depressed or or makes you feel good. Uh, There's something that ties in with things that you eat that interact with your gut bacteria. And it, it helps you, it restores your system 
to be how God created it to be. There are certain foods like eggs, cheese, pineapple. I thought that was kind of weird. Pineapple, turkey, things that have tryptophan in them or choline in them, they interact with your system. These ingredients boost your serotonin levels and help you feel better and restored. You mix those with carbs like bread or oatmeal, it makes it even better. I know I've just made y'all hungry, maybe for pineapple or something. Our meal with Jesus, our interaction with Jesus, boosts those things in us that restore us to the kind of health, spiritual health and physical health that make us who God wants us to be. When we encounter the risen Jesus, we are restored. There are benefits to our communion with Christ. And we find forgiveness. Before we have communion this morning, there is that time where we have our corporate confession. And it is a corporate confession. We say we, but there's also the I in that too. I, as a member of this congregation, confess with all of the others here in this congregation. We are confessing our corporate sins, but also our individual sins. All of you, everyone, everybody sitting next to you is a sinner. In fact, just to be fun, go ahead and say to somebody, you're a sinner. You don't get to say that very often. Sounds like we're in a fundamentalist church. You sinner. But really, we are. We all are sinful and in need of God's grace. And in the broken bread and in the cup, we experience God's grace made real and effective for us. So there's so many wonderful things about encountering someone, someone like Jesus. I hope that this morning you are feeling that presence of Christ. May you feel it as you go through the rest of this week. Let us pray. God, we give you.